with us on a journey into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the Nightmare. Good evening, good morning, good afternoon, good day to you all. Welcome to Ghost Chronicles Next Generation. I am Ron Kolick, your host, the gatekeeper of the realm of the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. New England's own Van Helsink, and with me, my co-host, the new grandmama, the, <laughs> the blind bombshell herself, and Kerrigan. Hi. Hi, everybody. Yes. The new grandma. So what's the baby going to call you? Grandma. Grandma? You don't have like Nana or whatever or something nah. like that? So, no. What are the... Grandma. No. Or I'll, I, I would be happy with Graham. My mom, my mom yeah. was Graham. All the grandchildren okay. called Graham. Okay. I'll go with cool. that. I don't want yeah. Nini, Boo Boo, Mamere. No, I no. Yeah. I'm traditional. Yeah. I'm traditional. Okay, cool. Yeah. And Tom is Papa. All right. So when's the baby getting her first drink? <laughs> when she's 21. <laughs> okay. There you go. Graham, Anyways, Graham will take her out. No. <laughs> I'm sure you will. <laughs> Anyways, uh, we have a great guest on our show today. This is somebody uh, I'm extremely interested in. And uh, he does, well, I, actually, you're more interested than I am because he uh, has this site uh, called Rediscovering uh, History. He is Michael Carroll. Michael, you with us? I am. I'm here. Thanks for joining us today. No, thank you for having me. Let me tell you, it's a, a pleasure and an honor, Ron. I have, uh, I have followed you, not stalkerish, but followed you for quite some time. And uh, to be on your show, I mean, the minute you asked me, I, you know, was ecstatic. Wow. <laughs> That's nice. Yeah, that, oh, geez. You turned my head. I'm going to blush, I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he says that now, uh, but wait till the show's it's over. It's probably just too warm. It's not you blushing. It's all right. <laughs> yeah, wait till the show's over. You won't think the same. Take those words back now. <laughs> Maybe I'll be the one blushing at the end of the show. <laughs> Anyways, uh, Michael, first of all, uh, tell me a little bit about yourself. Uh, where you're from, what, what kind of education you have, and then we'll get into what's going on. Yeah, so I am out of Columbia, Connecticut now, but uh, I've pretty much uh, been in Connecticut my entire life, uh, short of traveling across the U.S. and um, when I was younger, we lived in Sicily, um, but New England has been my home for a number of years. And no matter where I go, uh, I keep, I keep feeling a, a draw back to here and, uh, I, I absolutely love it. And I don't want, I don't think there's anywhere else in the great U S that can, uh, even compare with, uh, with Connecticut and the history that we have here. And, mm-hmm. uh, I, I don't want to be anywhere else. Oh, no. that's great. So uh, I asked you a little bit about your education. Uh, yeah. How far did you go in your, your education? 
Uh, so I have some college training, uh, you know, education, um, but at the same time, um, I'm very educated in the in a book sense. Um, when yeah. we were younger, we didn't have video games. You you made your own adventures outside and you explored, and that's really where I got my love and passion of history and diving into books and you know getting sucked into these stories and and mm-hmm. you know being a hopeless romantic, they come alive, and so. Um, I continuously learn, and that that doesn't mean that I'm ignorant by any stretch of the no, no, imagination. No, no, no. You, don't don't misread what I said. I'm, I'm just curious because I'm saying that some people just try to get a feel of of when you really started getting your feel for history, where you really you know it started to become your passion. No, no, no. I'm not saying anything about you. I'm just saying there there are people that will. You know, uh, naysayers, if you will, say, oh, well, you don't have a college degree. Well, mm. right. well a college whatever. degree is great if you want to be a lawyer and so on and so forth. But to me, oh, no. yeah, yeah. you know, if you're learning on a daily basis, you're, you're you're willing to admit I'm not an expert, but I'm willing to continuously get better each and every day. See, see, the thing is, Michael, you can become an expert without a college degree. All That's right. It, it's experience. Certainly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Right. I mean, so I was I was excited that um, uh, we had a cemetery preservationist uh, on tonight. That was really awesome, Michael. And because I'm totally into cemeteries, I I'm you'd love it. Fleet and total taphophile, and uh, I think it's awesome. I think it's awesome. Yeah. And you know, a lot of times people hop in their cars and they go from point A to point P and, and, you know, the daily grind and that's all, you know, and, and that's fine for some people. But when I talk to people, I tell them, look down that side street, you never know what's mm. there. When it mm-hmm. comes to these cemeteries, mm-hmm. um, you know, and burying grounds, again, they're two separate things. Um, it, it goes back to our history and you can learn so much on these stones mm. where yes, we have ancestry and find a grave and, you know, God forbid Google, but the information on these stones may not have been put forward because while well, we got the name, we got the, the dates, that's all we need. Well, what about the inscriptions down below? What about those little nuances of right. and the stone types? It really speaks to, the craftsmanship and and the passion that people had to pay respect to their loved ones. Right. 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 So I, I love, I think I agree with you. Connecticut has uh, very fabulous historic stones. I've been down there a lot over the years in the Manchester area. Yep. Um, what did you say? You said Columbia. Yeah, we're in Columbia, uh, so we're we're close to like the Hebrew and Lebanon area. We're probably oh. 15, 20 minutes south of Manchester. We're oh. up there quite a bit. Oh, okay, all right. Yeah, I thought it sounded familiar. Um, yeah. And the stones are there's a lot of similarities to stones we also also have in Massachusetts. Um, right. And I found some wonderful historic cemeteries when I've been been there in my travels. Um, so what made you decide to start? So you have, you're a 501 C3, right? Correct. You're yeah. a nonprofit. 
What yep. made you decide to do that? Well, we um, uh, now, God, it, it feels like forever ago, but uh, a few mm-hmm. years ago, um, I, I was, uh, even now, I'm, I'm going to be 42 this year, you know, and uh, I guess that means I'm a spring chicken because I'm not a grandpa. And by the way, congratulations <laughs> on being a grandma. Oh, thank you so much. Grandma. But, <laughs> you know, I like to explore. And so when it comes to, you know, cemeteries, I like to look around and, you know, even now you there's cemeteries that people still don't know about or they haven't found. And there's within those cemeteries, there's stones that people haven't seen in a hundred, 200 plus years. So I'm always looking and we, I was in Norwich, Connecticut and I was, I I saw a civil war stone on the outside of the cemetery. And I said, well, this is odd. And Mm -hmm. I looked up the caretaker and Cole called him, uh, never spoke to him before. And within five minutes he said, Oh, come to my property in Salem, Connecticut. I have a cemetery here. And I'm like, yeah, it's probably a pile of rocks. And I got <laughs> just rocks, you know, and I get there and it's, it's a proper family cemetery, nice. except it was about 40 feet of overgrowth just to get into this. And oh. God bless the gentleman. He's 75, 80 years old mm-hmm. and he's on his hands and knees and I'm six, 10 and a half. I'm on my hands and knees mm. getting underneath the debris to see the cemetery. And I said, well, how come no one takes care of it? Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, you know, most cemeteries, especially abandoned ones, are last page, last line on every docket for the town. You of know, look the other way. If it's not making the money, who cares? <laughs> and if it's free town, but that's a yeah. lot of them. right. And, and if, uh, if it's not a, a, a owned by the town, right, and it's a a private family cemetery, there's usually not a lot they can do. However, however, mm-hmm. according mm-hmm. to the CGA, which is the Connecticut General Assembly laws, mm-hmm. it states that even an abandoned cemetery, it is on the mayor or the first selectman or select woman, mm-hmm. <laughs> excuse me, uh, whoever's in charge, to dictate the care and upkeep of that cemetery. Oh. Tell them that. They're like... We never knew that. Of course you didn't because you don't <laughs> care, you know? And so when I talked to this gentleman, he said, well, the Boy Scouts used to take care of it back in the 70s. And the town looks the other way. And I contacted the town clerk at the time, mm-hmm. she granted us permission. She said, you can have all the Salem cemeteries except for the active ones. Go right on ahead. Nice. And that's where he <laughs> started. And then I got the nonprofit status with the state of Connecticut. Mm -hmm. And a year later, we got it with the IRS. And it's, you know, started small and now it's continuously growing. That's awesome. Love to hear that. So this is the other, this is the other Salem. (laughs) Well, yeah. Well, see, that's the thing. What's interesting, you have the Salem Mass in Salem, Connecticut. The Salem, Connecticut, it was founded by people from the Salem Mass area. And that's why they took that name. And if you look at um, the Endicott family, which is very prevalent in Danvers and Salem, Mm -hmm. some of them, and I won't reveal their full names, some of them still are in the Salem, Connecticut area. And if you look in Danvers, there's a general hospital up in that area. I don't have the name offhand. They have a very historic pear tree behind this behind the hospital mm-hmm. and it is maintained now by the hospital staff 
<coughs> the groundskeepers. Mm-hmm. Um, that is one of the oldest continuously producing pear trees. And some of um, they transplanted some of that down to Salem, Connecticut. So you still have the connection between the two. Oh, that's oh, wow. cool. That's yeah, very cool, actually. That's really neat. Well, that's so, awesome. So, uh, you know, for, I asked you earlier, is history or is it just cemeteries that you're you're intrigued with? I, I love history. I, I, if you guys could see me right now, I'm sitting here. I wear a top hat with a big federal <laughs> eagle on the front of it. And <laughs> it is not there for show. It is part of who I am. Um, and so when I go out in these cemeteries, I wear a top hat and I have a nice black overcoat, Oh, that's so cool. a soil probe and I'm ready to go. But everything from the revolutionary war to the civil war, I love it. Oh, that's awesome. That's cool. Uh, it must be quite a, they must think you're the undertaker. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, it, it, it does come across kind of weird sometimes, but uh, I almost have, when I talk to people, it's almost a uh, diarrhea of the mouth, you know, because it's just a passion and, and so much love comes out and it becomes infectious. And then sometimes my fiance is trying to pull me away, like, okay, okay, enough. You know, <laughs> you know if, it's I, funny you mentioned that. It's funny you mentioned that, Michael, is because is I just posted on the Next Generation page. I shared uh, the cartoon of the, the boy that was kidnapped uh, by kidnappers and w- was thrown back. No, nope, I, I didn't I see that one. Oh, you, it is. I took it off your page. <laughs> but I posted it on the Next Generation <laughs> page. My fiance's in the background laughing, so she must know all of I, I know she's talking about. Oh, son of a gun. talking about cemetery. <laughs> Yes, and so that that fits in too. So that's why I stuck it on that page for her. Basically, it's a little kid that gets uh, it shows him being thrown through a window, going back into the house. Oh yeah, I was returned after two hours. Yeah, because uh, yeah, I spoke two hours in cemeteries. Yeah, so anyway, and it's the same way when it comes to books. Um, Like I said, we are here in Columbia now. Uh, We actually just moved here over this past weekend. and I'm going to, in our downstairs, we're going to have our office there. And I am going to be setting up my personal library. And I have books going back to the 1820s, 30s. Sweet. Um, but they're all related to Connecticut history and or cemeteries. But to me, you know, it, it's not to try to know everything. But there's so much information in these books, even if it's, you know, been rewritten and so on and so forth. The originals has information that other people might have discarded because it doesn't fit their narrative. And so, you know, I just get lost into that. And then, hey, I'm down the road and, you know, and I'm looking at a cemetery and someone has a question. Oh, it was in that book. That's right. And I'm able mm-hmm. to pull that information. Yeah, I love that. You know, the, the that's one of my pet peeves, by the way, is that, well, people will, will just grab stuff from the Internet. And so... Uh, these original books that people did the research on, spent time writing and everything else, uh, the material is basically lost unless you have that book because people will take, like you said, what they want and post it. And then it's right. rewritten in other books, the later books and so forth and so forth. And then a lot of this this really good information that people studied and, and researched uh, is, is lost virtually unless you have that book. 
Mm-hmm. Right. And in, you know, not only books, but um, I like old maps, you know, things oh, of great. that nature, yeah. you know, because um, I do a lot of work in New London, Connecticut and mm-hmm. uh, regarding the Antius uh, Cemetery, which is their oldest one on uh, the eastern side of Connecticut. And so, you know, going back to the 1650s and so forth, there's no stones from that time period. And any that say they are, are just backdated stones. They're not uh, period correct. Mm-hmm. Um, but you may find some of that information, like you said, in those books that other people, oh, well, if, it, if it's not online, it doesn't exist. Well, <laughs> no, not <laughs> So what first attracted you? to cemeteries well see i'm not i'm not one you know enticed by you know a dead body or you know anything like that you know it's not a creepy spooky you know you know weird kind of fetish thing or something uh nothing (laughs) appropriate that my fiance is like what the hell are you talking about Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. you know again when it comes to these stones you know they're pieces of art Mm-hmm. You know, and a former colleague of mine was like, oh, we should take these stones and put them in a museum. And I said, no, they belong yeah. where they where they are, mm-hmm. you know, and even though nine tenths of the bodies are no longer there due to the acidity in the ground. These are still markers for where they were and they deserve to stay there. Um, but again, you can learn so much history just by reading them, you know, and everyone else, you can stand in a cemetery and probably be the only one to go there unless someone's walking a dog or something like that. Right. And everyone else just drives by and they're like, who cares? Mm-hmm. You know, but to people like me, if we don't care, we're going to lose part of our history. And that that's unfortunate. So what what's your thoughts? on First, uh, let me ask you, in all your times dealing with cemeteries and, and going out and rediscovering, uh, have you ever had any paranormal experiences? So, so, oh, geez. Here this we go. sounds like a yes. Uh, <laughs> no, no. I, we have not had paranormal experiences. However, some of our sites are related to paranormal, quote unquote, legends. Um, and actually, I brought uh, three colleagues out to one in uh, Voluntown, Connecticut today that pertains to a legend. And Gave them the backstory followed by the correct information. And to me, when it comes to the paranormal, mm-hmm. um, I know that what you see on TV certainly isn't reality. I mean, reality right. TV is just a fake word that, you know, that that doesn't belong. <clears throat> and so you have to take everything with a grain of salt. I'm not saying to discredit, you know, what people are saying, but there's always a reason you know, or at least you should always go through the possibilities before you declare something to be a paranormal occurrence. You know, and like, you know, they're not dime a dozen instances. They are very rare to find a true haunting uh, or a true occurrence. Um, But when it comes to, you know, the backstories on these, it's like the telephone game. You, You get one person saying something and 200 years later, it's completely different than what it originally was. And this one in Voluntown is the same instance where it was a little girl at two years old died of diphtheria. And because people were desecrating her grave, her one of the family members 
uh, back in the 70s, the 1970s, put a sign on her grave said, you know, curse you that desecrate this grave and, oh, you know, <laughs> you can be ashamed, this and that. Well, because no one knew who did it, they automatically called her a witch, you know, because it had the word curse <laughs> oh, you that dude. Oh, for God's sakes. No, and <laughs> so people, even to this day, will call me up and say, oh, can you tell me about the, the, the girl witch and this and that? And I'm like, guys, you know, I'm sorry to burst your bubble, you know, but it's not really what you think it is. It was a two-year-old girl. Right. Yeah, I mean, there there are, you know, cages over certain graves, and, and people say, oh, my God, look at that. There was a witch there that they are a vampire. They don't want to oh, understand. Yeah. Well, no, those are wolf cages. Those were other oh. reasons for those particular things put up there. But the, the, the legend and the myths grow around these things that people are – uh, ignorant about them, quite frankly. And, and because people rehash the same information over and over and they, you know, are, you know, oh, I want to be an author. And so they read these stories, they tweak it a little bit so they're not plagiarizing them, but <laughs> then they just rehash the same thing without anything new being added. And, you know, like in this instance, I went to the town and said, I would like to, you know, correct this information on behalf of the family. And they said, but why do that? Why not just let the legend persist? And I said, but it's wrong for history. Mm -hmm. And for this little girl, it's a disservice to her and her family, where there's still family members, um, descendants present in the community. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. whether or not they know, you, you know, if we can't prove it, fine. But when you have the proof, correct the history. What's wrong yeah. with that? Mm -hmm. You know, that that has always been a pet peeve. In fact, I wrote it in my, my blog that, uh, you know, you, you get these, especially in this paranormal, you get so many mediums that people in mediums, they'll go to these these places like an old school or something. And they'll say, oh, the the headmaster, he was a pedophile and he did this and did oh, this. Yeah. And and. There's absolutely no evidence whatsoever. And not only that, the people uh, have relatives that uh, from this, you know, related to this this thing. And, and you're really slandering at him. And, and mm. it's, they don't they do it without, you know, without even thinking, without remorse. Without, without that. Oh, yeah. So mm -hmm. it, it's 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 terrible at times. It's absolutely terrible. But again, when you're talking something that happened in the 1850s, 1880s. And now you're talking 150 something years later, you know, it's about making money. And and I get it. If people want to be an author, go right on ahead. But at least do your proper research. I'm not talking about just the first thing you see on Google. I mean, instance, there was a, a local Wikipedia. author. Well, oh God, but there was a local <laughs> author and she had uh, written a book recently and all her uh, her bibliophile or bibliographs there were all websites. You know, there was no uh, hard evidence of actual books or newspaper reports or anything. Mm -hmm. And so when you take things that people write online as the definitive proof, mm -hmm. I'm sorry, you, you're not really an author or a researcher, in my opinion. Right. Mm -hmm. the, the, uh, the other thing about the paranormal, of course, is that in my opinion, the paranormal is a personal experience. In other words, more than anything, there'll be no proof of 
you see in a ghost or you have in this experience. It's just something that you personally experience. And if, if there is a, a reason for the for ghosts or hauntings or whatever, then maybe it is a uh, personal experience that is supposed to have in it. And so you, you gotta, you can't discard the witness because they, they believe what they saw, they believe what they heard. But once again, you all, as in police cases, the eyewitness is the most reliable uh, evidence you can have. So it, it's, you have to take that in consideration anyways when you're doing this research. Absolutely. And and to be brief and a little personal, my brother had passed the day before my birthday a number of years ago now. Um, and for the longest time, my mother would see me upstairs playing with him and I would see him when I was walking down the street, um, of course, at an older age, and I would talk to him. And and whether or not I know children have that, they don't, they have the, the veil, they can see things, you know, where mm-hmm. a lot of times the adults, you know, they disregard it immediately. But to me, it was a way of healing, you know, right. and, you know, healing myself because I missed him. And the same thing happened with my grandfather when he passed. I was very close and that devastated me. And for a while, I would used to see him even in the ceiling of my bedroom. And again, yeah. it wasn't that I was crazy. It was just this was my healing process. And we're mm-hmm. going to have to take a break right now. So anyways, uh, yes, the number one sighting of, of ghosts in, in the world is what I call messenger ghosts. And that's someone who has just passed and they come back to you to uh, show the, that you're that they're OK or just to see yes. that you're OK. Anyway, you've been listening to Ghost Chronicles Next Generation with Ann and Ron right here on Tojinet. Brought to you by Circles of Wisdom, 386 Merrimack Street, Bethune, Massachusetts. The Glant Messier Family Law Group, 15 High Street, not the end over Massachusetts. And our very, very good friends on Ghost Chronicles Radio on Patreon. Uh, they help bring these shows to you. Uh, you too can become a member. Uh, it's $3 a month, price of a cup of coffee. And there's, you get access to over 40 videos on there. So uh, become a member, support the show, and uh, enjoy the videos. So anyways, uh, we're going to take a break right now, and we'll be right back with our guest, Michael Carroll. Do you have a paranormal event, book, or something else you want people to know about? Then why not advertise it on Ghost Chronicles Radio? With over 150,000 downloads a month, get your message out to an audience that's interested in the subject. We have a plan at a cost that fits your needs. For more information, contact Ron Kolick at anyghostproject at comcast.net or call 978-455-6678. Hello. Hello, can you hear me? My name is Harry Price. I am speaking to you via the medium of the Ghost Box. Many of you will know I carried out the first live radio broadcast from Haunted House way back in 1936 for the BBC. Now, thanks to the wonders of modern technology, I am still able to keep abreast of 21st century ghost hunting by listening to Ghost Chronicles International on Togginet, Parax Radio, The Ghost Channel, and even on something called a podcast. 
Two splendid chaps host it. One is an American who calls himself New England's own Van Helsing, although I have discovered his real name is Ron Kolek. The other is Stephen Parsons, and he's a paranormal scientist. Well, mustache, I'm required elsewhere on something called a K2. But don't forget, I'll be listening in every Tuesday from 8 o'clock in Great Britain and 3 o'clock on the American Eastern Seaboard. I trust you will join me there. And welcome back to Ghost Chronicles Next Generation with Ron and Anne and our special guest this evening, Michael Carroll of the group Rediscovering History. Welcome back. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Michael, I had a question for you. Well, it wasn't really a question. Uh, you mentioned earlier about you consider the uh, cemetery, the gravestones as pieces of art. And I love that you said that because that is one of the principal reasons that I was attracted to cemeteries um, was that the the carvings on the stones and yeah, that's that, yeah it's it's a lost art yeah that's how I it just it just like dragged me in <laughs> you know, and, uh, and even the subtle nuances you know where um, we can sit there and say okay we we believe with pretty certain uh, who this carver was, you also have to realize that some of these carvers had apprentices and Mm -hmm. um, even people that would copy their work uh, to try to pass it off. Hey, look, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, I'm doing really quality work. So, um, and we don't fully know all of those people even now. Mm -hmm. And so you have to look at those subtle nuances. Maybe the eyes aren't, you know, the correct shape and, Maybe the wings are pointed in different directions. And um, so there, there's so many things to look at, too. Right, right. But I, I it's nice to find someone like-minded, <laughs> I have to say. And I have, um, I do have on Facebook a page called Cemetery Tripping. And if you ever want to check that out, I have tons and tons and tons of photos on there. And, so, it, and it's perfect because uh, we have a nice little following on our page as well mm-hmm. on Facebook. And so um, not only will I join that page of yours, but <laughs> I'll share it on our page and you'll get a bunch of people following. Oh, I, I just I just love to share uh, the places that I find, you know, so that's awesome. And I'll definitely check that out as well. Yeah, um, we, and, uh, and we went out. Michael, to- what is Michael, how can people people uh, find this page? Uh, so it's Rediscovering History, Inc. And, uh, you know, when we were coming up with the name for a group, you know, when we realized this wasn't just going to be a one-man show, mm-hmm. uh, which I never wanted to it to be, I said, well, we're not discovering history, you know, because it's already there. You can't discover something that's already there. So we're rediscovering and bringing the history back to the present. Um, and keeping these memories alive. And so that's where we got the name, Rediscovering History. And, of course, the ink is because we're a nonprofit. 
Nice, nice. And I love your low. I love this is your cover photo. Is that your logo with yeah, the death's head? Um, yeah, I love death's heads. I, yeah, I I've too. always been a fan of them. I found one in New London, Connecticut, uh, last spring. Um, and I was looking. It was a sandstone, uh, base stone, and. I, I saw part of it sticking out of the ground. I said, well, where's the rest of this stone? I mean, they don't grow. <laughs> okay. um, and about six or seven inches down, maybe even eight inches down, I started digging a small test hole. And of course, this is all with permission. Right. Um, and when I wiped the dirt back, it said 1732. And I nearly, I nice. think I dropped 20 feet in the air. Mm-hmm. And then... <laughs> Uh, clearing the ground fully, it was a full death head uh, inspired stone. I believe it was Thomas Johnson uh, was the carver of it. And it was just an amazing find. And so I've always been partial to those kinds of stones. And uh, a friend of mine in uh, Reading um, came up with that for us. And I said, oh, my God, that's amazing. So Mm. We'll have some. We had some shirts previously made, but now we're going to make it with that logo as well. Love it. Oh, there you go. My favorite. So, do you do events and stuff, or uh, to raise money, or how do you how do you finance uh, rediscovering? So we got, you know, we do get donations. Not, of course. I mean, it's just like anything else. It, you know, it's the way the economy is. So. While donations are great, at the same time, they don't always come in, and we we Mm -hmm. accept that. Um, I do have uh, some contracts with different towns where we do work on the side. Um, And so that helps to finance us as well. Um, But then, yes, we do events, and in these events, we'll have, uh, whether it's a training class on how to properly clean stones and the materials to do so, um, we'll also do repairs and uh, resets of stones that have fallen or leaning, and then even stones that are buried, um, my friend uh, Larry uh, will attest to it. He's out of Western Rhode Island to where I have a sixth sense. I can go to a yard and tell you there's Ooh. a stone, you know, within a certain uh, distance of, you know, a few inches to a foot down, I can tell you based on the topography where it is. And it's, mm, that's pretty cool. And it's, you know, almost like some sort of stone sense, you know, like some stone spidey sense. Um, <laughs> I just love it though. Um, this, but a this, lot of times... We'll yep. give community service hours. So if a high school student needs them for graduation, we'll give them community service hours to help them graduate. Wow. There's, there's, uh, there's a thing, uh, a technique called uh, spirit, uh, grave, grave dowsing, and you can actually yes. determine graves by dowsing, which is, is intriguing as well. I've seen it work. Uh, pretty well before, but uh, yeah, I've seen people do that. Um, I I use a T bar soil probe, um, and it's you know minimally invasive, and oh, sure. I, yeah. still I'm very cautious not to just jam it in because you don't want to damage oh, yeah. anything. <laughs> but we've even found um, up in Danvers, uh, I was probing around a family cemetery for a relative up there. Um, and, um, we ended up finding an urn, which the family had no clue was there. And of course we had no clue. And so, you know, I get it out of the ground Now I'm all excited and I'm holding it. And I'm like, Oh, I'm holding somebody right now. You know, (laughs) 
hopefully go back, you know, but in the moment you're like, Oh my God, what an amazing find. And, you know, now the family member knows that their ancestors are here. And then when that shock wears off, it's like, uh, well, you know, I think you got to go back home, you know? (laughs) So what's the coolest grave you, you found in your, in your work? Well, I mean, I like any, you know, anything from the 1800s backwards, and that's not to disrespect anything more current. But when you're talking about things that are more current, um, usually they, you know, unless there's vandalism, they usually don't need any amount of work. Um, right. Plus, there's still family to take care of them. The older ones, um, that's where you start to really get a lot of uh, wear and tear on them. And unfortunately, especially with sandstone, they start to delaminate. Mm and they go away. I like slate stones. That's one of my favorites. And I saw a bunch today, which made me extremely happy um, Mm -hmm. because they hold up really, really well. And slate um, either came from Newport or it came from the Boston area. So for it to come from there to here, I just, I love the journey that it took. And the fact that these stones hold up so well and they almost look brand new. And when you when mm-hmm. I clean them, um, not using pressure washers or anything, I'm able to get these colors coming out of the stone. You know, even though it's slate, you'll get different blue streaks and, you know, the mm-hmm. veins in the stones. And they are absolutely gorgeous. Yeah, One of my beautiful. favorites. Yeah. Do you use D2? I do. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, it is D1. I don't use it all the time, though. Uh, You you know, I know that there's some people who will use it as if they were in a shower and (laughs) uh, soak the stone in it. I only use it as needed. Mm -hmm. Um, And that doesn't mean I'm not using a lot, Mm -hmm. but I don't need to douse the stone in it. Um, Each stone is different. So even though, excuse me, I can look at 10 or 15 stones in a row and say, okay, every single stone needs to be cleaned. Well, you have to look and, you know, maybe there's a crack or, you know, maybe there's different things going on. So you have to inspect each stone differently. Right. Okay. So uh, for those who are listening, uh, what's this product you're talking about and and where where was it available and so forth? So D2 is uh, a biological uh, solution. Um, It's you're not going to die if you drink it. Trust me, I've inhaled more than my fair share of it. I, I have probably eaten more. Which is, why you, wear a, than which anyone is why you wear a top hat, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm the Matt Hatter by now. Um, yeah. And uh, but um, it is actually it was uh, put out by a gentleman in Massachusetts. The name offhand is eluding me. I'm friends with him on Facebook. I'll probably get blown up if he listens and I forget his name. Um, <laughs> Atlas Preservation out of Southern Connecticut. I am a big uh, fan of theirs. They are tremendous staff. They are very knowledgeable. Mm-hmm. Um, they sell it. You can't go and get it through like Walmart. And if you do get it through like a third party market, usually they jack the price up really high. Right now it's about $40, $45 a gallon. Mm, and on no. those third party sites, you might see it for $68, $75 a gallon. So yeah. you have to be very careful where you go. Yeah, you can get it. You, you use it straight or you, you have to cut it? 
No, you can use it straight. Some people will cut it with water um, and to extend it. But when you're doing that, you're actually taking away its effectiveness. And you do want to make sure that the weather is conducive to using it. And so you want it generally 50, 55 degrees, somewhere in that area on a constant basis. We're not talking about just daytime, but nighttime. You don't want to put something on a stone during the day. And then at night it freezes because, you know, even though the environment is going to do that, you know, with, you know, condensation and so on and so forth and rain that we can't control that. We can control what we do to it. And the first rule is do no harm. And so if you're putting it on there and it's going to freeze at night, you're doing harm to it, even though you may not see it right away. Over time, it may crack or, you know, you may get unfavorable results. And once you do damage to a stone, it may be irreversible. Right. Um, right. And so that's why we usually go, usually March, sometimes early February, depending on the weather, mm-hmm. um, right up through October. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, Anne has taken me to cemetery more than once. Uh, <laughs> a few times. I, I noticed there are also metallic stones as well. Yes. Uh, have you run across those as well? Are you talking about the blue ones, right? The zinkies. Yeah. Yes, the zinkies. I was waiting to see if you came up with the word. Yes, the, the Bridgeport uh, Bronze Company. Those yeah. were put out usually right around the 1870s, 1880s through the 1910s. Um, and those were cast. And if you look on your bigger ones of those, you'll see the side panels and they, I, fun tidbit, I always tell people, if you see those side uh, panels and they have the screws in each corner, of course, they have a cover over those screws. Well, during prohibition, when people wanted to, you know, hide from the authorities, hide their liquor, they (laughs) would hide it inside of those cavities and then they would have a drink with their loved ones. And so unfortunately, over time, people that know that story, and I'm sure now more people know about it, they'd go and try to open them to see if anything was left in. And usually there isn't, or they're just too far rusted to even attempt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, but it's it's a neat little story that, you know, back in the <laughs> 1930s, we were going to have a squid <laughs> in, the, in the burying grounds where the law won't notice, you know. <laughs> so It seems a little extreme to me, but. I had heard that also. And, yes, well, uh, you look at yeah. the Victorian period, they would have had uh, picnics in the cemeteries. Oh, 100%. You know, to have, you know, to be there with their loved ones. And we did that um, last year in East Hampton, Connecticut, at Hog Hill Cemetery. We were doing some work there, and on the backside is a giant field, and we got permission from the landowner. And we set up tables and so forth. And we had a little cookout back there with the volunteers and a picnic with the deceased. <laughs> That's right. nice. The, uh, the, uh, that, that was common in the garden cemeteries. Uh, yeah. They used to have picnics at, where they would do that and, and go and show off their great stones and so forth. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's uh, interesting. A lot of people have strange feelings about cemeteries. Some people like you two uh, find great beauty in them. Other people f- find them scary. Other people but find them peaceful. Yeah, they're not scary at all. These aren't 
you know, and then that's well, what yeah, we try because to of the stories. <laughs> well, yeah, but you know, that's what we try to tell people when we take them out to these places and we bring the general public out on tours, you know, and they're they're not, you know, places of you know great sorrow or you know, it's a celebration of life is what it really should be about. You know, and we're, you know, remembering, you know, yes, you cry at first, but ultimately you keep coming back to remember your loved ones. And so, again, when we're like the author incident incidents where they're, you know, rehashing the same information, when you have ghost tours in some of these yards, you're sharing that same information, same information, and it's all about the almighty dollar. And then you forget about what it's actually supposed to be about. Mm, yeah. You know, there's, there's a group up here in uh, Haverhill. They they take care of cemetery. And just about every Saturday weekend, uh, they have ghost hunts in the cemetery. Yes. And they do this constantly. Uh, and I have mixed feelings about it. Number one, you know, if they're raising money, I can see if that money goes to preserve in the cemetery or maintenance in the cemetery. I can see that. And the, but the second part of it is, is what you're talking about. You're also, you know, having all these people tromping through the night, walking right. all over their graves and, mm -hmm. and uh, you know, coming up with stories uh, that are based on, you know, yeah. uh, pseudoscience and, and uh, you know, mediumship. Mm -hmm. You know, and and God forbid, you know, when you're out at nighttime, you know, I was just telling my colleagues today, you know, we're out of the site during the day, but at night it changes. And, and I'm not talking about just daytime and nighttime, but your senses take over and, and it, you know, you get a heightened sense. But when you're out there walking around, especially if you're younger, you might be horse playing. What happens if you trip and fall over? and knock a stone over and break it, or God mm. forbid, someone's leaning against a stone, they don't realize that it's loose, and it falls over onto somebody else, and not only injures them, but could kill them, because mm. some of these stones are a thousand pounds or more. They're heavy. Mm -hmm. you, know, yeah. you know, a thousand pound stone leaning may, you know, some people may say, well, it takes a lot to knock it over. No, because some of these stones have pins in them. And I'm mm -hmm. talking about just a metal piece in either yeah. in the middle of it or two pieces on the side. And if right. it, it doesn't take much weight, you know, so when they're doing these tours, are they being cognizant of, hey, there's dangerous stones. We got to be careful. Odds are they're not. No, no. Mm -hmm. And it's actually, funny, I, uh, go ahead. Ann. I can't tell you how many people over the years um, I'll post whatever cemetery I've been in and. They'll say, oh, I want to I wanna come with you someday when you go to a cemetery. And I'm like, well, um, no, you don't. But I'm not investigating. I'm taking right. pictures. Yeah. I'm taking pictures. I'm looking at the stones. Oh, I want to come. I want to come. I'm like, trust me, you don't want to come. Because yeah. I'm going to look at I've every had... stone. Every I've single one. <laughs> I've had people want to come in and work with us, and that's fine. We invite the public to work with us. We'll teach them, you know, and we'll show them the different steps. We certainly don't let people just run up to a stone and do what they want. Right. Of course. But unfortunately, you know, people think it's this big, glamorous thing. Wow, yeah, it's, it's not amazing. 
when they right. when they realize there's actual work, they come out the first time and then they don't come back. Uh huh. Right. Uh-huh. We, we actually it's we sad. actually know these we actually know these two people that dragged uh, chairs to the cemetery and did a broadcast of the cemetery. <laughs> would that be you guys? That would be us. <laughs> that would be but, us. But see, you know that's great because you know you're. You're not disrespecting the grounds. You're not disrespecting the people that are there, you know, and you're bringing awareness to where you are and people, you know, can come out and see these different things. That's the biggest thing, you know, when that's what it was. I mean, this particular thing, Michael, was about the stones. I mean, we we, the one one we looked at, I remember, was uh, one of the persons that uh, was on the Titanic. I don't can't recall the other ones the end because I'm old, but okay. uh, uh, yeah, that was there was that's when we were there. We sat and we talked about those particular stones and, and the stories behind them. But not not the ghost stories, but the the real stories of the, the, real the stories. people. Yeah, that was Francis yeah. Davis Millet. Uh, some go. of these some of these ghost tours really aren't even ghost tours. Mm-hmm. They are talking about the history of the person, which I appreciate. Mm-hmm. But then they, you know, oh, you know, they could have done this. And when you when you put impossibilities out there, where's your hard proof? You know, and so that's where these stories get created. Um, I even heard of an instance where there was a large marble stone um, and and it was a large rectangle stone. And the the leader of the tour had, was telling people, and I've confirmed this with some in attendance, uh, not myself, of course, but where they were telling them, oh, it was designed like that because it's a it's a doorway to a different dimension. Oh, <laughs> I sat there and I could have knocked the person out. And I don't mean that physically, but, you know, what BS to tell people, you know, oh, there's that money angle again. You know, yeah, you know, yeah. yeah. You tell me, full slab Ignorance. is now a doorway. You yeah. know what? Ignorance. I've never heard of that. And of course, the carvers at that time period—that wasn't their mindset. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and this, this one, uh, we had a gentleman on the show. It's back a few years ago, and he did cemetery tours, I believe, in New York. And and what they would do is they had actors that were dressed up in the, in the period pieces. And then when they went to the graves, these ghosts were, yep. uh, of the person would tell their story and as, right. as if they were there and they could ask, people could ask questions and stuff, which I thought was, was, was really good because it was, uh, it, you know, it taught history. It was interactive and uh, it got people involved in history as well. Mm-hmm. And I love that. You know, I was thinking about doing the same thing uh, in New London at the Antioch Cemetery there. We have tons of great history there. And so to have people in different period correct costumes um, and, you know, they assume um, not just a regular actor, but someone that appreciates history and can, right. you know, have a passion and speak correctly. But to tell the, the you know, the information to the public, it makes it come alive. So not only do you see the grave site, but you have someone telling you that information. Telling them I their mean, story. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, that's a, that's a absolutely amazing. I, I am a strong supporter of that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. I And they did that here in East Bridgewater, too, Ron. Um, Wayne Knight, they would have Oh, actors. yeah, that's right. I think you remember, tell, I remember telling me that when, um, mm-hmm. when you, we had yeah. them on the show, too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they would they would do that as well. And um, that gentleman you're referring to uh, was from Rhinebeck, New York. Right. Yeah, boy, good memory, girl. Well, you're blonde too. I can't. It's amazing, isn't it? Isn't it? Well, Alexis lived in Rhinebeck. My daughter lived in Rhinebeck. So when it happened that you had lined him up for the show, I was very excited because I had been there numerous times. You know. Uh, so it, it does, it, it, it gives life to history, history, right. history it, come know, alive. You can read the, you can read it in a book, you know, but when you see the site in person and then if you have the opportunity or if the opportunity presents itself to have someone speaking as if they are that person, it, it, it breathes whole new life into everything you already know. Mm-hmm. I have how to tell you a strange. Oh, go ahead, Anna. You. I was going to ask how many volunteers do you have on your uh, your. So we group? have a core group of a few of us, um, and we range in age from you know. Actually, I might be the youngest at forty-one. Mm-hmm. Uh, upwards of what's Larry? I'm going to put it out there. Larry's what sixty something. Seventy. Oh, uh, Larry. Yeah, my friend Larry's like seventy something, and I don't. Young, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. I made him walk like 3.7 miles today and he's he's probably home sleeping after a few tequilas. <laughs> but, uh, you know, and then we do get people coming out with us. Unfortunately, like I said earlier, when people realize it's actual work, they, you know, they don't want to be a part of it. They want to be a part of something to be a part of something bigger than themselves. You know, mm-hmm. they don't really have that drive and that energy. But then we do have some people that that do have that energy and, you know, want to come out with us. And that we mm. love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's the best. Yeah. Unfortunately, oh. we're running out of energy because we're coming no. to the end of the show. Uh, anyways, Michael, if uh, somebody wanted to contact you or, or join your group, can how can they do that? So the, the easiest way is through Facebook. Um, we have a nonprofit page on there and a group page. The group page is more active. The nonprofit page we have for fundraising capabilities and so forth. The group page, Rediscovering History, Inc. Um, I think it's over a thousand members right now and it keeps growing, thankfully. Um, that's the best way. And we share information all over. Um, and they can also go to uh, rediscovering-history.com. Um, our website will be updating this spring uh, oh, cool. with new events we'll be doing. Oh, excellent. 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 Yeah. I already followed you on Facebook, so I'll be catching up on all that good stuff. There you Absolutely. go. <laughs> but anyway. All right. So we do have to wrap it up. Michael, uh, we, we want to thank you very much for joining us today. And uh Today's show is brought to you by Circles of Wisdom, 386 Merrimack Street, Methuen, Massachusetts, the Glant Messier Family Law Group, 15 High Street, North Andover, Massachusetts, and our very, very good friends on Ghost Chronicles Radio on Patreon, and you too can become a member and have access to over 40 videos and other stuff. Uh, So thank you for uh, being on the show, Michael, and you have a great day, and hopefully I'll meet you someday. 
Yes, absolutely. And real quick, just say hi to Arlene Nicholson for me. I know she <laughs> Oh, yes. Arlene. Yep. Uh, Tom. Yeah, I hope Tom's doing well because I'm still praying for him. Anyways, uh, good night, everyone. God bless and take care. Good night. Thanks for listening. to ghosties, long-leggedy beasties, and things that go bump in the night. Deliver us good luck.